The NFL offseason isn't here just yet, but all eyes are on former Louisville Cardinals star Lamar Jackson. Joining me today, Tony Wiggins, host of Locked on Jaguars and one of the hosts of Locked on NFL. Tony, how's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing, Dalt? Nice to see you again. Yeah, man. Doing doing pretty well. We, um, For those who don't remember, had Tony on the show, what was it, almost like a year ago, talking about, about uh, right. Lamar Jackson, Devontae Parker, Teddy Bridgewater, a lot of former Cardinals in the league. But figured I'd bring him back onto the show to talk Lamar Jackson, where all of the eyes are on the former Cardinal quarterback. Before we get into the show, I want to say thank you all again for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On Louisville, Locked On Jaguars, and Locked On NFL shows are all free um, on all streaming services five days a week. Your teams every day. Lamar Jackson will break it down, talking about the plausibility that he's back in Baltimore long term. We'll then dive into um, what Baltimore would need to do then to try to get over the hump into being a Super Bowl contender or getting over the hump and being um, in the mix for a Super Bowl. And then finally, um, unfortunately, Tony won't be able to join us for this one. He has to go in about 20 minutes or so, but we'll talk about some possible trade destinations should Jackson not be um, in the cards for Baltimore long term. Tony, right away, obviously, news has been kind of flustering, um, you know, whether or not, you know, whether he was healthy for that final game, uh, whether he wasn't. I will say, you know, as a Louisville fan, he's a, been a guy who's poured his heart and soul into this university. So only good things to say about him on my end, playing hurt, playing in the bowl game when he didn't need to. Regardless, do you think Lamar's going to be back in Baltimore? for you know past this next season if they were to franchise tag him had you asked me that question eight weeks ago i'd have said of course he's gonna be back you don't let guys like that go but now looking at it i'm thinking they're trying to position themselves to move on and i i don't think it's because they don't think he can play or they don't think he's great i just think that they have uh they've you know you stay in a poker game too long you know, nobody raises, but you sit there and now you see something that you shouldn't have saw, but now you think that bad hand is a good hand and you stay there and you start betting and you lose money. I think what they did was they saw the next card and, and the next card is a bounty of draft picks that they'll get, that they were actually able to win some without him. Not to the degree, I think he beats, they beat Cincinnati if he plays. I agree with uh, the running back uh, up in Baltimore. The thing is, is though they've started to imagine, okay, where if we send him somewhere, what are we getting back? We're getting probably four draft picks and, and two players, one a starter and somebody else who is a situational player that we can develop. And I think they're going, like, no one has ever given us that much ammunition. And we've done a lot by picking. Baltimore's always in the playoffs, so they're always picking towards the middle or the end. And we've been able to do a lot and be really, really – consistent for 20 years what if somebody gave us all of that stuff like that Detroit got for for you know for Matthew Stafford what could we do with that so I think the, the probability or the likelihood that they'll start exploring what could be I really believe that that's going to be the poison that allows them to trade them away and I ultimately believe that it'll be a mistake I think I'm with you in the sense that um, halfway through the season, it seemed like it was going to be a done deal. And who knows, maybe they could have agreed to a contract extension before the end of the season. Kind of how uh, the Ravens were, even though they were losing close games, it, it was pretty obvious that Lamar Jackson was the guy. And, you know, we've talked about him 26 years old now. 
uh, former unanimous MVP of the league. Um, sure, he's had some injury issues over the past two years, but nonetheless, when he's on the field, he's money. And um, let's hope that those injury issues don't uh, become a recurring issue. But comes out that Baltimore had offered Lamar previous extensions sort of in the area of uh, like 100 1315 guaranteed they upped that offer about 20 more million um but um you know like they say times are a changing and the era of guaranteed money has hit the national football league beginning with uh contracts like players to uh deshaun watson kyler murray um russell wilson aaron Rodgers, all making north of 150 million total guaranteed that's not even you know the total amount but guaranteed alone if you're Lamar, you kind of have to look at that and be like, um, no, definitely not. Is he going to get the contract that you think he's looking to get? I would assume he's looking for top five guaranteed money. But do you think he's ultimately going to get that, whether that be from Baltimore or someone else in the league? I'm glad you put that caveat on the end. Yes, I do think he's going to get it. Where he gets it from, I don't know. But, yeah, he's going to get the money. And – for a guy that's 25, 26 years old, that has ex- picked 29th in the draft, has won an MVP, exceeded all expectations. I mean, really has exceeded those expectations. Bet on himself and gambled on himself, and guess what? He won. Then he got hurt. The team went on a little bit of a run, but it wasn't good enough. And the areas where they were deficient, where they, if they'd have had him, they would have won the game, showed up. So the scenario played out for him perfectly even though I'm sure he wanted to be with his teammates, but I wouldn't have risked further injury either, especially from someone that is $135 million is a lot of money to anybody. But of course Lamar has an obligation and, and, and people don't really get this. The reason why Lamar Jackson can even get offered 135 million guaranteed is because somebody before him that might not have deserved it. It could have been Dak Prescott got a whole bunch of money because it was their time. So what folks don't understand is, He's not being greedy. What he's doing is you're in a fraternity called the NFLPA, right? It's a union, but players, they, they respect each other. A different way, it's like any fraternity, like I'm a veteran. There's a certain rapport I have with them. I have another fraternity. There's a rapport I have with them. And then I got the one about the guys I grew up in the neighborhood with, right? So they're all different, but there's a certain loyalty that you have to them. And the bottom line is, he would have to actually choose to cut everybody else's water off. And what I mean is if he takes less, that's not just about him in Baltimore. That's about him and the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And that sets a precedent. Right. And the guys previous to him or prior to him, they set it up for him to drink out of this fountain. You don't drink your water and then turn the faucet off for the guy. You just don't do it. You don't even get $135 million offered to you if it wasn't for the people who came before you. You have an obligation to keep it moving. It's not up to you to make a decision to change that, especially when your career suggests that you're supposed to get. You're next. You're next up. It's your turn. And and the NFL knows this better than anybody. And they have given money away to other people over the years. He shouldn't make one sacrifice and he ought to get everything that he's, he's supposed to get at this point. This whole greedy you know, narrative, it's, it's completely misled. It's misguided. It's why would you ever set Like you said, why would you ever settle for less than, you know, your worth? 
I mean, we just seen Deshaun Watson get two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed, and you're after his problems. Exactly, after. and you're supposed to say you're supposed to look at Lamar Jackson, who has been a model citizen. Now throw you know the the problems to the side for a second, and just from a football field, even with the problems considered, Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, better than Deshaun Watson on the field. You can argue that here and there. But regardless, it's very comparable to say the least. You're trying to tell me that he's worth 100 less million in guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson? There's no chance. Right. Even if you take the problems away, I probably have them a little bit more even than you do because I thought that after those first couple of guys, that Watson, when he was in Houston, was right there, right? I mean, he he had this Joe Montana thing about him, and he was extremely accurate, and he was real even-keeled. And you never had questions about whether or not he could throw the ball into certain windows and all of that stuff. Sure. But Lamar's Lamar, and he brings a totally different package. And you're right. I can't leave the character stuff out because the bottom line is, even after that, he got $230 million guaranteed. Exactly. That's double the 115 There's no way in the world you're going to tell me that that's fair. Yeah. And it's not. And I know Baltimore has, has won a lot in the past. It's not their first rodeo. Joe Flacco, they offered him 75. He said, no, I'm going to go bet on myself. He wins the MVP of the Super Bowl. He gets 125. They understand. Trust me, they wanted him to take that deal. They did not want him to do what he did this year and prove that he deserves mm-hmm. that money. Oh, I definitely I definitely agree. One question before we head into the next segment. Um, but but it is it is crazy that you mentioned me. Now, granted, um, for a lot of NFL front offices, that Deshaun Watson contract, you know, even considering the the, the character stuff and, and the stuff off the field, that had to be a nightmare contract for front offices across the league because of that precedent. It said it like, oh, well, now you're looking at guys like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, um, you know, so, so far down the list, Lamar Jackson, these younger quarterbacks that are in line for – um, contract extensions coming up. Now you're definitely uh, in a different different price range. I want to ask you this before we get into the next segment. Assuming that they're going to franchise tag Lamar Jackson, which you would probably assume that they do unless they trade him before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, March 7th is the deadline, 45 million cap hit. Do you assume that Lamar Jackson plays on that franchise tag or does he try to force Baltimore's hand by holding out? If the cap hit is $45 million, they can't do that. That's like one-fifth of the cap, and that's one person. Yeah. And, and people know that. It's two times – it's a couple of times they get you. When they know you don't want to leave the cap number because you can negotiate. If they give him $200 million guaranteed, his cap number ain't going to be nowhere near $45 million. It's probably going to be around $22 million, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. They know you don't want him to accept and play with him under that cap. The other time they get you is when you have this balloon payment at the end of your contract. Like they put all this front loaded money. And then what they did was for these teams, when there's one year, a one year left on a guy's deal, that was a five year, $150 million deal. Well, the last year is like $50 million. Right. Right. And they know you don't want to play for that number. So they try to renegotiate with you and you have the leverage. But one thing I'll, I'll backtrack on a little bit. And I talk, when we talk about, the money that Deshaun Watson got. I don't think it turned the league upside down. You don't think because, so? No, because I think that there was 
a line longer than the line was at that restaurant when they were selling those chicken sandwiches about a year and a half ago of teams that would have given Houston everything that Cleveland gave him knowing they had to pay him. We, we, we hear the stories that there were a dozen teams that would have taken him regardless. So I, I don't want to let the hypocrisy in the NFL interfere with That's our right. thinking. Them, they yes, they know they they it's it's twelve other people get mad at Cleveland. There were twelve other. They people were going. They were just one of the teams in line they, that was going to pay. They were the Garth. one that that uh, had happened, but there was a bunch of other people that would have done. Right, I I can see that for sure. I want to now kind of transition into assuming let's say theoretically that Baltimore does come to an agreement with Lamar Jackson for the long term to stay with the Ravens. What do the Ravens need to do? to get over that hump and win a Super Bowl. We'll do that here in just a second after we talk about our friends um, and the title sponsor of the show, uh, FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sped, our sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. If you sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Locked On, Place a measly $5 bet. You can get $150 in free bets, guaranteed. Um, it is an opportunity like no other. Go check out all of the uh, props on the AFC and NFC Conference Championship games this weekend. You won't regret it. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Tony Wiggins host of Locked On Jaguars and one of the hosts of Locked On NFL joining me today to talk about Lamar Jackson and his future. Let's assume theoretically, Tony, that he's back with the Ravens long term. Obviously, um, this was a team that with Tyler Huntley almost went up to Cincinnati and defeated the Bengals, who might necessarily be um, the favorite to possibly win the Super Bowl. Who knows? Um, Roquan Smith. Five-year extension worth $100 million total, so you get two players uh, on both sides of the ball back. What else does Baltimore need to do now that, well, Greg Roman is now gone. They're looking for an offensive coordinator. What do the Ravens need to do as an organization to get over that hump and to beat Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and, and win the Super Bowl? Stay healthy. I think that they've just had, whether it's Rashad Bateman uh, last year and this year, um, uh, Ronnie Stanley, whoever, whoever it's been, they they've had they've had some some health issues. It was Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins before. They were just banged up. They were banged up coming in, into the game against Cincinnati. They have never really had their complete team on the field. They've added some receivers. They could probably add one more, maybe. They have enough tight ends. It seems like they never run out of tight ends. They never <laughs> run out of offensive linemen. Yeah. Sometimes what happens is on defense, though, they have so much attrition. Because it seems like they're the farm system for the 6'5", 255-pound edge rusher. Like that hybrid dude. How many guys around the league, when you when you, Zadarius Smith, all you go through the league and there's always this big tweener who was in Baltimore who played well. There's one in New England right now named Matt Judon. These dudes just get bred there, but they can't pay them all. And they know that they, can, they, they have an eye for it because that's how they're built. They can always go find the next guy who can do that. So... I think what they have to do is they have to hit that magic hotspot where they, one, get healthy all at the same time, and then, two, make it a year prior to guys' contracts expiring that they don't have to pay everybody. Usually when teams win it all, they win it all with, I hate to say it like this, but cheap players. Players on their first contracts, players on do-it, prove-it deals, 
guys on you know who are rookies, you have to be lucky because once you win it, now everybody carries that Super Bowl trophy and that pedigree around as if it's a bonus on your contract. And so, very seldom do Super Bowl windows stay open because yeah. of that, and that's why people prioritize that uh, rookie contract for the quarterback at least. Um, now, granted, you're going to have your outliers like Kansas City and what they're able to do with Patrick Mahomes and um, you know New England with Brady, so on and so forth. One, one thing that I really um, don't um, have any doubt in Baltimore is that they draft very, very well. Mm-hmm. They get a ton of value, not only in the first round, because they draft well in the first round, but in the later rounds as well. And they fill out those depth issues. And it's crazy to see Baltimore still kind of right there in the picture, despite having all these issues health-wise. I think a lot of that can be contributed to those depth um, you know, additions in the draft, things of that nature. A new offensive coordinator will be coming to town. We'll see. Um, I, I think that Harbaugh has a little bit more of a hand in the offense than people want to think he does. Um, but regardless, do you? there's the narrative about the receiving core. Obviously, they've done him no favors in that regard. Do they need to go out and, and really revamp that receiving core for Baltimore to reach that full potential? I know they have a very interesting offensive identity, but it could be set to change here with a new offensive coordinator coming in. I think a lot of, of blame for their receiving core goes to the personnel department unjustly. I also think it went to Lamar Jackson because they said he wasn't a pure passer unjustly. I think the problem with their offense is gone. I, I'm not a big Greg Roman fan. Nor and, am I. And I may be in the minority with that. But I am a firm believer that if they go up to Philly and uh, interview Brian Johnson, who's the quarterback's coach, you see what he did with Jalen Hurts, right? All of the questions that they had about Jalen Hurts – are the same ones they had about Lamar Jackson, but they had more questions about Jalen Hurts because he's not fast, as as fast as Lamar, and he's not as mercurial as of an athlete as Lamar. I do believe that if they get someone like that that understands the quarterback position, who also knows how to call plays, they can get Pep Hamilton, someone who really knows how to dial things up. Make Brian, Pep Hamilton got fired. Make, make Pep Hamilton a quarterback coach like he was with Justin Herbert and make Brian Johnson the offensive coordinator. I'm a Chargers and, fan, Tony. I, I yeah. want Pep back. <laughs> you know, you know what Pep I'm talking back. about. You know what I'm I talking do. about. So oh, Trust me, we had Joe so, Lombardi for the past couple of seasons. I definitely know what you're talking about. So what happens is once you galvanize that and get that room right and insulate him properly, then I think the fact that he's probably going to start running less because he's getting banged up, I think it opens the door for him to be a better passer. I think it opens the door for the offense to thrive more. It's okay to have an identity, but you have to toe the line between having an identity and being predictable. And what happens is when you have a problem trying to find what that line is, injuries don't help because now it shrinks up the possibilities that you have on offense. So I I really think – I think the best days of Lamar Jackson are ahead of him. I think he's going to prove a bunch of people wrong because I think he can throw it. Another thing that Philadelphia did is they banked on Jalen Hurts' development, but they also said, we're going to get you some solid weapons on the outside. They went, they went out and they traded for A.J. Brown, and we've seen how he's been able to take this offense to a new level. They, in the draft, went out and drafted Devontae Smith in the first round. Um, you know, shored up that offensive line, uh, continued to um, – create that stronghold up front that Baltimore has done a very good job with as well. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think that the brightest days for Lamar Jackson are ahead of us, and we'll see whether that's in Baltimore or whether that could be somewhere else. Tony, I know you have to go. 
I'll leave you with this though. The danger in looking at them and comparing Philadelphia is it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Remember, the Eagles at one point had three first-round picks because of the Carson Wentz deal, right? Mm -hmm. So they saw what Philly did with all of those picks, which they traded one of them for A.J. Brown, right? Mm -hmm. And they paid him. And then they took, the year before, they took the receiver. They turned those picks into a bounty of really, really good players. So Baltimore may be looking at the Philly situation, and as opposed to looking at, Philly adding these pieces to Jalen Hurts, they may look at that and go, look what they did because Jalen Hurts was a nobody when they did that. And then they got all of these draft picks, they developed their own quarterback, and then they surrounded him with all of this stuff. So sure, I think what they need to do is pay him. Having a quarterback on the roster allows you so much flexibility, especially for a team that has done really well. Look back through history. The third, fourth, and fifth round, and the sixth round, Baltimore has eaten the draft alive. When you can do that, you don't need a bunch of first-round picks and high picks to be good. You, you are the farm system for the league, and I think that they just need to pay their guy, have him under, have that that secure blanket up, you know, up under the blanket, have him that that player in your repertoire, and then build out from there. I definitely agree, Tony. Appreciate you as always for jumping on. I know you got to go. Um, only thing I'm not a big fan of Tony is that is uh, Jaguars. Um, I took care of my Chargers in um, historic fashion. We won't talk about oh, that. Oh, I got another reason why you, don't like, you ain't a big fan. Go Nose, baby. I am a Seminole to my heart, man. I know, I know, but it, let me – It's the last let, time let that – no. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I, but look, y'all got Jeff Brown, and, and you got a real good recruiting staff. There's a couple of guys I know on staff. Jeff Brown is going to produce NFL quarterbacks and wide receivers from here on out. Trust me. Definitely appreciate that. It's Tony Wiggins, host of Locked On Jaguars, and one of the hosts of Locked On NFL. Give him a follow in his Twitter uh, bio below, or Twitter bio, Twitter handle below. But, Tony, appreciate you having me on. Or thank appreciate you, having you on, and we'll see you here soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you, man. That's not me. I'm not James. Um, I am Dalton, but um, – Want to give a shout out once again to Tony. He had to hop off. A uh, very uh, appreciative. Um, heading into the final segment, Lamar Jackson. If he were not to end up with the Baltimore Ravens long term, who are some possible trade partners? Well, obviously you have to look at who could throw together a package. Tony mentioned it's probably going to be comprised of multiple draft picks, multiple first round draft picks, maybe even some young players. Um, I'm not here to talk about the plausibility of a certain team trading for Lamar, or at least not right now. But I want to talk about some of the best fits, regardless of trade package. Number one, I think that there's three teams, in my opinion. Both teams from New York and the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, for obvious reasons, um, you have to seriously question you know, the long-term health of Tua Tagovailoa. Um, and there was questions toward a, towards the end of the season of whether or not you know he could uh, take this offense to the next level. Um, Lamar Jackson, with a receiving committee of Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, um, a solid offensive, uh, you know, play caller and Mike McDaniel. Uh, I think that really, in all honesty, this will probably be the best fit for Lamar because it takes a, a playoff contender to a true Super Bowl favorite um, because, you know, maybe looking at they might have to give away a, more players because they don't have a first round pick this year. 
still, I mean, they're probably keeping Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, so you have solid pieces on that offense. Um, defensively, they're respectable, but you have a solid play caller in Mike McDaniel. You have a solid uh, receiving core and supporting cast running Lamar in Miami uh, from the you know South Florida area, so that makes a ton of sense. Uh, so Miami it would probably be um, the place that you would look at and think, well, it makes a ton of sense. I'm not saying that they're ready to move on from Tua Tagovailoa. They may view him as the guy that can take them to the next level and compete for Super Bowls. That is a very valid uh, point of view. But I'm saying that if they were to look to you know, maybe go after a Lamar Jackson, that would make a ton of sense as well. I think that both New York teams make a ton of sense. New York Jets are my 1A to 1B with Miami as opposed to or as for being the best fit for Lamar Jackson because of the roster that they have in place. Um, you know, they have a defensive-minded coach and Robert Sela. Um, you know, so they have a solid defense. Uh, Sauce Gardner, uh, Quentin Williams, there's a lot of talent on that defense. Offensively speaking, you've got Brees Hall. You've got a solid young receiving core, Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, so on and so forth. There is a lot of talent on this team, solid offensive line play. Um, it depends on who Baltimore would want in return. Um, you could think that they may, you know, take a handful of draft picks. I don't necessarily think they would go after Zach Wilson, but who knows? Maybe Mike White is included in that. Um, but you look at now, Nathaniel Hackett is the new offensive coordinator in uh, New York. Whether or not that was the right move or not is yet to be seen. He didn't. Uh, pan out in Denver as the head coach. But regardless, I think that the Jets make a lot of sense because they have a young roster around him. Um, they have cap space to really make some moves. Defensively, very, very solid team. They're really just missing that dynamic quarterback that can take them take them to the next level. And we saw this team really flirt with playoff contention um, You know, with a rotating quarterback carousel of Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Zach Wilson. Imagine inserting Lamar Jackson into the mix. And don't forget, Brees Hall also missed um, a good amount of the season with a season-ending injury. So uh, the Jets make a ton of sense. The Giants, in my opinion, as well. Now, granted, they got to the playoffs with Daniel Jones. But I think that the opening loss to the Philadelphia Eagles um, in the divisional round makes you or leads you to believe that um, you know New York still can get better. Whether or not Daniel is the uh, quarterback of the future is to be seen, but I would be ecstatic to see what Brian Dabble could do with a player like Lamar Jackson. Obviously, you have to see what they're going to do with Saquon Barkley, but... Um, you know, they have a solid uh, defense to pair with that, and it's kind of like Baltimore. You know, you have um, an offense with potential, but you have a good defense to um, help propel that offense um, into solid situations. I think that Miami makes the most sense along with the New York Jets. The Giants are right there as well, you know, strictly because of what Brian Dabble was able to do in year one with the New York football Giants with Daniel Jones as his quarterback now. Granted, I am not saying that Daniel Jones is a scrub by any means, but Lamar Jackson is better than Daniel Jones. So um, I, I think that you know you could take that offense to new heights, and obviously Brian Dabble, um, a mastermind with Josh Allen in Buffalo, really knows how to utilize uh, the mobility 
of his starting quarterback. We saw that with Allen, and you would definitely assume that he would be able to do just that and more with Lamar Jackson, who is the best dual-threat quarterback in the National Football League. So um, a lot of moving parts here. Uh, Tony and I talked about the plausibility that he stays in Baltimore long-term, uh, even though you know he's got a say in who the offensive coordinator is going to be. It's going to come down to the money aspect of things, as it should. Lamar has earned that right to um, go out and secure his bag and, um, you know, get uh, an opportunity for himself to have the best contract that he can get. We talked about um, what Baltimore would need to do, stay healthy, um, you know, revamp the offense in terms of play calling, um, continue to surround himself or even, you know, surround him with better players on the outside in the receiver positions. Um, talked about some of the possible uh, best trade destinations, Miami, New York Jets, New York Giants, in my opinion, are the three best spots that Lamar could realistically end up at um, for teams that are in the market for uh, a starting quarterback or would be um, involved in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. But um, we'll see how things go. March 7th is the deadline for a franchise tag. Um, assuming that the Ravens do franchise tag Lamar, it would be a $45.2 million deal for one year, and then he would be an unrestricted free agent after that season. But regardless, uh, we will see what happens. But that's going to wrap up this Friday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here very soon.